Join Sarah Weiss in the infinite field of energetic aliveness and heart-centered wisdom. This is the Earth Love Spirit Podcast. Welcome to the Earth Love Spirit Podcast. I'm Sarah Weiss, your host, and it's time for a new alignment between body and soul, earth and cosmos, and heart and mind. And that's our theme for the Earth Love Spirit podcast. We're all about embodied spirituality, about bringing through your higher being so that it's your everyday being, and how to ground, have a stable center so that as you grow and change, you have a resiliency and a brilliance about you that makes life exciting. Today, I have a wonderful guest, Michelle Chalfant. Michelle and I are going to be having a conversation about becoming an adult. You know, she has this model of the adult chair. And as we move into this conversation, we're going to see how she outlines this way of moving from a wounded child, from behavior that does not serve you into the glory of being your true self. So today, help me welcome Michelle to our podcast. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's just a pleasure. So for the people who are just tuning into this podcast, can we give them a little overview of the adult chair model? Because I think having this conceptual overview would be very helpful for them because it's just yeah. so great. So the adult chair is a model that I developed um, that basically teaches us how to live from the healthiest version of who we are. It teaches us how to love ourselves. It teaches us how to improve our relationships, how to heal things like anxiety, depression, codependency. So basically, just to to simplify it, it's broken down into three different chairs or three different um, developmental time periods of our lives. So we start out with a child chair, which is zero to six. So during the child phase of our development, we learn things like what true, true emotions are. So we learn all about sadness and joy and, and uh, sorrow and all of these things we're learning when we're children from zero to six. We also learn about true needs. So things like, and I'm talking about emotional needs, not I want a lollipop, but I need a hug. Um, I need uh, someone to tell me that I'm loved. These kinds of things are the true needs that I'm talking about. We learn about this when we're little kids. Uh, We also learn here about passion. We learn about spontaneity, creativity, fun, intimacy, vulnerability. All of these things are learned during these first six years. So then what happens is around the age of six, we move into what I call the adolescent chair. This is where the ego is really coming online. So this is from the age of six to 25. So it goes from pre-adolescence to adolescence, post-adolescence, again, up to age 25. What happens during this phase or chair, I should say, the adolescent chair, is the ego is coming online and the ego is based in fear. And it teaches us um, not to live in the moment, but instead, I've got to protect myself. So, and I got to keep you alive. So I'm going to live in the future or the past. This is where we might react 
this is where we blame and shame and we say should i should have done that um it's a part of us that's 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 living in fear so it's worrying you know that we're not going to live or we're going to get kicked out of the tribe you know so it's it's doing what it can in order to help us to stay in our tribe to stay loved to stay lovable so it changes who we are the ego's belief is that i need to become who you want me to be in order to be lovable so this is where we learn to put a mask over our true self this is where we develop these different parts or personas and we become who, who we are not. You know, as we're going through middle school and high school, we're trying to fit in. But there's, a, there's an ancient part of the brain that also is feeding us in information that says if you're kicked out of the tribe, you're going to die. So there's the brain, that part of the brain is 500 million years old. And back then it was accurate in that if I'm kicked out of the tribe that I'm in, I will get, you know, kicked out of my cave where I'm living with my family and I might get eaten by a lion or by a, whatever was around 500 million years ago. So this is a very um, interesting chair. And unfortunately, most of us get stuck here, but then we develop into physical adults around the age of 25, 30, but we, our energy, um, our emotional development gets stuck in this chair. However, the handful of people, I should say, yeah, that had, <laughs> yeah, there's only a handful, unfortunately, but the handful of people that had healthy upbringing, healthy parenting, healthy processing of emotions, healthy mirroring, around the age of 25, 30, then we naturally slide into what I call the adult chair. This is where we live with consciousness, where we live in the moment. This is where we live with fact and truth versus the adolescent is living in story and assumption. We're making up stories or assuming things in order to keep ourselves safe. From the adult, it's a much more of a present moment awareness and mindfulness place where I step into the moment and go, now, wait a minute, what's fact and truth? The energy here is a little bit slower than in the adolescent, which can go very fast because we're trying to keep ourselves alive, of course. That's the core energy that's coming out of that chair. But in the adult, I'm a witness to my thoughts instead of in the adolescent where I'll be buying into everything that I'm thinking. And then again, my mood is going up and down. But from my adult, I witness my thoughts. Um, I learn about empowerment from the adult. I learn about how, how we set boundaries that would come from the adult. Um, and again, I'm witnessing my thoughts. So that would be the adolescent part of us. But also, I'm able to connect into my emotions. So I'm able to connect into this child chair of what we would call now the inner child and know what I'm feeling and not react to those emotions, but instead allow them to process through. I'm very in touch with what's going on with my needs. And I express them from my adult self. So that's the whole model broken down into the three chairs. So what I have found is, it serves as a touchstone. So this adult chair now serves as a touchstone to people that really didn't grow up. And again, that's most of us with healthy, healthy adults showing us how to live as healthy adults, basically to model that for us. So it's a touchstone. Well, when I heard you describe the um, child chair mm -hmm. and how much happens in those first six years mm -hmm. and, and so much of it is nonverbal, Mm -hmm. And the idea of uh, having a child's needs honored in a way that we don't normally see that happening in our culture. 
um, in in a way a child is so sensitive um, mm -hmm. and how much happens during those first six years and how do we touch into that I know from the spiritual point of view and the energetic point of view I can help people um, work with the energy of that time how do you work with people conceptually and to get in touch with moving getting unstuck at that level yeah that's a great great question and I also want to add to what other what else happens which is mind-blowing um, like you said, we're these innocent little precious creatures that are zero to six years old. We're absorbing everything and it's recorded. This is what's crazy to me. That age zero to six is everything is, is recorded. And that's the roadmap that we live off of as adults. Yeah. That roadmap, which is crazy. We're absorbing all of our parents' programs, all of their dysfunctions, and they become our own. And then we grow up and we carry out the same roadmap that they gave us. So just a side note there. But this is what I do with people. And this was along my own healing journey. One of the greatest things that I did for myself is inner child work. Mm. I love inner child work. That was transformational for me. Um, learning how to really get in and connect with that inner part of us. Because what happens is so many of us, as we're growing up again, if we don't have that healthy tending to of our, ch when we are children, and then as we age, if our parents are teaching us to shove our emotions down or eat your emotions or don't have emotions, or we get spanked for crying or having emotions, we learn to take that beautiful, precious inner child part or child part and tuck it away and hide it. That's why I think as adults, we don't have, a lot of us don't know what we are feeling. I mean, I can't tell you how many clients I've had. I've sat across the room from them. I'm like, okay, so how does that make you feel? And they don't know. Like, well, I don't know. I, I don't, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what's the emotion? I don't know. So when we do inner child work, we're reconnecting and really awakening and oftentimes going and finding, <clears throat> excuse me, that inner, that little inner precious part of us and when we connect to it, the energy in that little part comes alive. So with inner child work, for people that are not visual, you either connect again, or I would say if you are, if you are visual, you can connect with that little part. You might get an image and you have a conversation. Some people that are not visual, you'll just hear the words of this little precious part. Some people sense that there's an energy, but they don't exactly know what the part looks like, but they sense it and they can interpret the words and what the little child needs. So it's a lot of asking yourself, you know, what are you feeling or what am I feeling? And then what are my needs? And really starting to get in touch with that. And it's a very energetic as well as emotional process or psychological process. I think it's, I, I think everything of course is both, but from an emotional perspective and a psychological perspective, we're really helping people understand how to feel their emotions, but also energetically again we're waking up this little young part um and helping them to really just it, this whole part of us doesn't exist until we really awaken it again so inner child work is really 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 important you know as you're speaking michelle it is such an alive part of your being that your energy is actually opening up that mm. realm to our listeners as i'm watching on the the energy realm wow um, so 
you and I have come together into uh, into harmony, and our energy together is uh, radiating the possibility mm. and the opening up to this inner child work. So the, for the listeners, if you feel yourself tuning into that yourself, let's have you ground and be present and know that you're in a safe place because I believe that all of this is activated right now as we're speaking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so just feel your seat and feet and not just, mm -hmm. but come back to your body, come back to yourself. We're honoring you as you're listening to this. Michelle is the frequency of this. She's embodied this so deeply in her being and that is radiating out to all of you. So know that we are in a safe space, we're surrounded by the light, and we're in a beautiful flow. Mm. So, and, and, and this is what happens on this podcast, Michelle. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I love it. You're speaking it, my language. You know I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we do so well together. So, um, so how did you come into this? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. How did you arrive here? Well... I arrived on the planet <laughs> as, and I wanted to ask you this question, um, not, not just an empath, because I know this is your specialty, but I spoke with someone a while ago and he said, you're not just an empath, you're what's called a retro empath. Have you heard of such a thing? You know, I, I've not heard of that. How did he define it? So we have empaths on the planet and mm -hmm. then there's a very small category of retro empaths that are even more sensitive. I'm like... Is that possible? Because, is that possible? Uh, I know. But also he said you, you might tend to, one of the things, this is a while ago, he's, I spoke with him and he said you might tend to do things backwards, like reading books, like, and I said, oh my I do goodness. that too. I do yes! that too. <laughs> so there you go. This is why you and I have always connected. We are right. retro, retro. You should look it up though. I've only found like one YouTube video on it, but retro empaths. And when I get a magazine, I always start at the back. When Me I too. get a book, I start at the back of the book and people go, what are you doing? I go, and, I, and he goes, you might even have issues with reading forward. I said, I do. I've always had issues with reading forward. I, I, I do. He said, yeah. So that was, I just remember a couple of those signs, but a retro empath is someone, obviously, you know this, that's ultra sensitive to energy. So I'm going to start there okay. and just talk about that I was born into a family that was a dysfunctional family in that it was Italian. You know, I've got mom, dad, sister with, well, my sister was six years younger than, than I am. But um, we, I was raised, when I think about my family, not just mom and dad, it was mom, dad, sister, aunts, uncles, grandmother, you know, everyone was always together, very enmeshed, lots of drinking, um, lots of anger from my dad's identical twin brother. So there's that kind of dysfunctional growing, dysfunction growing up. And I recently had a session with a trauma therapist. I was working through some early childhood things because I had colic for the first nine months of my life, 22 hours a day I cried, according to my mom. And she took me back into the hospital right after I was born. And we were just in a guided meditation. And you know, I'm sure you know me. It's like, boom, I'm there. Like I can be there energetically in heartbeat. And and it was the day after I was born. And I said, she goes, what's happening? And I said, and this was not a spiritual therapy appointment. This was a hardcore trauma therapist that I was working with. And I said, I was right there. And I said, 
I'm picking up on everybody's pain in the room. Mm -hmm. My grandmother's there. She's very angry. My uncle's there. He's angry. They're putting me in his arms. That doesn't feel good to me. And she said, what happens next? And I said, I'm trying really hard to process all of the pain in the room and the upsetness between all of these people. It wasn't directed towards me, but I could feel the tension. My mother, my uncle hated my mom. It was all this stuff going on. And I said, and I can't do it fast enough. And it's making me cry. So I thought, isn't that fascinating? This is two, two days old. That is the reality. I mean, yeah, we have one vision, one idea of what the reality is here, but the true reality is the experience that we're having and that whether we identify as an empath or not, almost everyone is that sensitive. I, was, I mean, yes, there's a whole world that we're not acknowledging and not living from that includes our sensitivities. And I don't mean just oversensitive. I mean, our, our psychic sensitivity, our intuitive sensitivity, our ability to activate all of our six senses. And that's the true reality. This other of one we're course. living is like our flat screen TVs. It's about a half inch deep. <laughs> well, you think about, like you said, any baby, whether you're an empath mm-hmm. or not, we are wildly intuitive when we're born and we are wide open to what's happening in our environment. So, And so no wonder you cried for nine months. No kidding. Yeah. And it's funny because they could not figure out what was wrong with me. So anyway, I'm not going to go longer on that, but interesting. And I thought, you know what? I was probably trying to overhaul all the emotions in this family. Anyway, so wait, wait, can we pause there first for just one second to acknowledge this idea that super sensitive people will be trying to process the emotions in their environment. Yes. And it happens below the awareness level, but it is truly happening. And so people don't understand why their illnesses, why they can't find the the root to it or why they can't change a behavior or their thinking. And until we tune into this level that is the unseen, unacknowledged level, and we come to the truth of who we are, because that's our truth. Um, it's just going to constantly elude us. So go on. (laughs) So true. That's such a great, great point, though. I don't think people understand in general what's happening in the energy field. We're not even consciously aware of what's happening. I mean, so, and it leads to all kinds of things as we age. So what happened with me was I found myself in high school living like this for all these years. Again, taking on everyone's emotions and becoming more aware of it as I got older, becoming very codependent um, with my mom and you know, all of this. By the time I'm in high school, I'm drinking all the time. I'm smoking pot all the time because I was trying to numb. And then I moved on from there, went through college. And by the time I was in my 20s, I was really anxious. Actually, the anxiety and, de- and depression clearly started in my high school years, but I was functional. No one knew this because mm-hmm. I, you know, I still, I got up every day. I had a boyfriend. I was doing okay in school. So it wasn't like, and I was partying all the time, but so was everyone else. So I think I slipped under the radar, but what I knew inside was I did not like who I was. And I had a lot of negative self-talk. I had ruminating thoughts lots of thoughts of depression. I had thoughts of suicide. I, it was not a good time for me, but again, nobody knew, but I knew. And I said, I really want to change this. So in my early twenties, I remember coming up from college and I was spontaneously crying and I just couldn't stop sometimes. And I said, you know, 
this is again, I mean, Sarah, this is way back in the eighties, like mm-hmm. late eighties. And I went to a psychiatrist. There was not a therapist on every corner. There's no Google. So I don't know what's going on other than the fact <laughs> that I'm getting my psychology degree, you know, in my undergrad. And, uh, and I said, I think I'm depressed. That's what's going on. And I walked into the psychiatrist and he said, uh, oh yes, you are. Here's your Prozac. And I left and I said, well, can we talk about what's going on in my family? No, you don't. You can go down to the health clinic and do that. I'm like, driving to the health clinic. Like <laughs> nothing felt right about it. I took like three days of Prozac, threw it away. And I said, no, this does not. I had major migraines. I'm like not doing that. But I was on, that was when I really started this quest of like, I will figure out what's going on with me. Cause I'm sure I'm not the only one. And, um, that's when my journey, my spiritual journey, I think was from birth for sure. I've always been mm-hmm. sensitive, but my journey of really understanding how do we heal and I'd always been, you know, passionate about helping people outside of being codependent. Like I just felt that inside of my being. And so, you know, I think what's wrong with me, I had determined what was wrong with me was I just didn't like or love who I was. So I said, I'm going to figure out how to love myself. How, That's the problem. How, how could you, if no one around you loved and liked themselves? Mm-mm. Exactly. Exactly. And lots of mixed messages in my, again, I was raised by an extended family, not just my, mm-hmm. my core family. So yeah, it was tons of mixed messages. It was very, very confusing. So can I pause here for a second? Yeah, for sure. Because for sure. I want to point out something, and this is for our listeners too. No matter what was happening, you had a, an inner strength that was keeping you on track. Mm-hmm. And many people overlook how strong they are because they don't appreciate how powerful um, the illusion is, the the hypnotic culture that we live in and how much strength it takes to keep finding yourself over and over and over again and staying on those tracks without getting derailed all the way. So you had this inner strength and you can feel it in you. And I think you're conveying it to our listeners Mm -hmm. too. So, okay, continue. Yeah, that's such a good point (laughs) because when I work with people or when I worked with people in the past, I should say, you know, we would talk about their younger life trauma or what they had going on. And I say to them, and sometimes we get stuck in that as far as aging goes, like we can't move beyond. And I'm like, but you made it like you're 45, you're 60, you're whatever you made it you're so strong. And it's like, Oh, wait, I am. I didn't even notice. I'm like, yes, right. you made it. So please, anyone listening, you made it like you yes. survived it and you made it, you know? So I just want to, I'm glad that you said that. But um, yeah, so that was on my journey of really, i said to myself, I will figure out how to love myself. And I don't like these thoughts. And man, I have been Sarah <laughs> certified in just about everything you can possibly imagine from, you know, energy medicine techniques to, you know, um, more traditional sorts of therapy techniques and tools. And it just, you know, I would get certified in one thing and then say, okay, that didn't fix me, but I learned a little bit from this. Let me go to the next one. That didn't fix me. You know, it was always about, I got to fix this thinking. I got to fix this whatever. And, um, oh, let me back up. What really drove me was in my mid-20s, I remember sitting, I was in a hotel, I don't even remember where I was going, but I was sitting and I was getting ready and Oprah was on. This was again, way back now, go back to the 90s. And she had Dr. Phil on 
and they were talking about someone he had interviewed and he said, well, here's the problem with her. She doesn't love herself. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed in the hotel and I said, oh my gosh, here we go. He's going to tell us how to do it. And he said, well, she, the problem is she just does not love who she is. And, and Oprah said, yeah. And he said, she has to learn how to do that. And then they moved on. And I was like, wait, <laughs> tell me, tell me, where's the how, like, how do we do it? And that is really the biggest thing. It bit me. And I said, I will figure out how. I'm going to figure out how, because I'm so tired of people saying you need to love yourself. It's like, but how it's an easier, it's a hard concept to understand. So anyway, that was really what got me. And I continued then to get certified in just about everything I possibly could. And again, I would get, I feel a little bit better from this one thing, but never a hundred percent and a little bit better from this and a little bit better from that. And meditation helped a little bit and this helped a little bit. So as I moved on, um, and then moved to Nashville in 2007, I immediately found, because a lot of people I was meeting, they said, oh, you need to go meet with this teacher. Okay. And I met with her and that's where everything that I'd learned for all these 20 some years kind of came together. I signed up for her four year intensive. We did a lot of chair work. She talked about even working with a child, working with the adolescent, working with an adult, among other parts. She had a whole bunch of different chairs. And I remember sitting in this four-year group and I said, oh my God. And it, I, re, I can still tell you where I was sitting. I remember hearing the words, that's what we are all looking for as a healthy adult. And we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to live that way. And I was like, oh my God. So I took the information that I learned during those four years and combined it with 25 years of what I had been practicing and learning and put it all together and developed this model, you know, and that's where the whole model had, has come from. And I've been doing this model for probably, I don't know, eight years or so. And it just continues. What people say to me all the time is it's so simple. You know, I've been, I've been with the therapist for 10 years and now I understand what codependency is. And I listened to, to just one of your podcasts or I had a session with you or I, whatever they've done. And they're like, Oh, it makes sense. Cause I break it down into bite-sized pieces. So people really understand. So it's simple psychology and grounded spirituality. So people really get the, how do I heal anxiety? How do I heal depression? How do I heal co codependency? How do I learn how to set boundaries? Cause you hear people say things like, well, you need to have boundaries with so-and-so, but how, so I give the how is that because that was so important for me. So that's, that's where the model came from. And um, that's what the model is. Okay. So, um, so in your book, it's the adult chair, right? Uh, book. Yeah. yeah. Is that a good way for people to have a, uh, have a gateway into this work to introduce yeah. the work? Okay. Yeah, for sure. I would say, I would say for sure the book is um, really, I mean, you can read the book in an hour or so. It's a small book, about 75 pages, but it really understands the model. Or I have the podcast, the Adult Chair podcast. The first four episodes are, it breaks down the whole model as well. So and your ep and your podcast is wonderful and it, thank you it's on my website as a link <laughs> too and thank I you. often refer to her to her podcast to your podcast so um so so let's not leave people hanging could we do a mm -hmm. little bit of the how yeah like, like an adult first of all isn't it always a pleasure to meet someone who's in their adult oh my gosh. 
it is such a breath air for, breath of fresh air for me. I'm like, oh wow, someone that's really gets it and they're doing their work and they they're they're living in it and it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and they're not projecting and they're not no. carrying their guilt and shame and they actually can listen most of the time to you yeah. and it's a true exchange. I um, can can I share an example? Sure. So the other day actually this happened um within the people that work for me and this girl had made a pretty big mistake. Um, one of the girls that works for me and we were all on a conference call and I said to her, I said, listen, I just want you to know, like, this is not okay. What happened? Here's why it's not okay. And I still think you're a wonderful, you know, that you're wonderful, but this is not okay. And I need you to next time do it like this and that and the other thing. Um, but it's okay. And we're going to move on fr from it. But I do need to share with you, you know, why it's not okay, etc, etc. Mm -hmm. And it was very short and sweet, like it wasn't like this drawn out thing. And she her response was, I hear you. Thank you for sharing. And I will do better in the future. And I was like, Thank you. And it was done. And I and I sat oh. there. And, I, and we all were on we were all in a group call. And I paused and I said, I just want to mirror something to you right now. I said, that was so adult. And it's, I said that I'm so proud of you. You did not defend and say, well, I didn't mean to. And that there was none of that. It wasn't anything more than, because by the way, and I listed for her, I said, let me just explain to you what you just did. I said, you owned your reality. You took responsibility. You did not defend, which is the adolescent, of course. Um, and you said, and I will do better next time. And I, and then you apologize. I said, oh my God, like that's a healthy adult right there. And the way that I said it to her, she goes, and the way you said it to me was also very healthy. And I said, what do you know? We're all healthy. Isn't that great? So, <laughs> that must be relief to have a team like that, that you're working so with. Nice. Yeah, because, it was really so nice. Right. Because most of the people that I speak to have issues either with people in their family or their workplace mm -hmm. that the people are not in their adult and they're struggling to figure out how to do that. So, yeah. um, so, what can we offer as a how at this point and where would you want to start with that? I get asked the question all the time, like, how do I change my husband? How do I change my <laughs> sister? How do I change my mother? How do I change my boss? So what I say to everybody is, it's the same answer. You first live in the healthiest version of yourself that you can live in. And then it shows them how to do it. it you're modeling it for them. It's an energetic experience for them because as you talk about, you know, we're emitting an energy, a frequency, and you don't even have to use words and people start picking up on this new frequency. But there are words, of course, that typically happen. I have a lot of people that I work with that'll say, so I just started setting boundaries and, you know, my family is not quite sure what's happening because they've never heard that come out of my mouth. <laughs> but they also say, I just talked to a girl the other day, actually, and she said she was upset because of how someone in her family, she has a big family, and someone in her family had, um, she had set a boundary with them and how they responded, or it was not a response, it was a reaction. We react from the adolescent, we respond from the adult, but the reaction back to her was not healthy. And I said, that's Okay. She goes, well, what should I say back? I said, nothing. There's nothing to say. I said, you have to understand when we're doing our work, like, like this girl is doing, I said, it's like you're, you know, taking calculus 
and your sibling is learning addition. I said, let's see if she can catch up, but there's nothing to say back other than, okay. Um, and I said, what else is happening in your family? And she says, well, people are saying that I'm calmer, that I'm more peaceful, that I'm more relaxed. I said, there you go. So people are picking up on it. You don't even have to say to them, guess what? I'm doing the adult churn. It's so great. I said, people are noticing. So people do notice around us when we start showing up in a new way. But again, there's a frequency behind all of it because we feel different on the inside. We're loving ourselves more when we start paying attention to how we're showing up in the world and changing that and showing up from a higher version of ourselves. Yes, and I'd like to point out in the many materials that you have on your website, you do have um, videos of, or audio recordings and podcasts of you working with people individually. So if mm -hmm. people want to know more about the way you actually work with people and can listen to it, it's there on your in your resources, in your, in your website. I've done okay. it. I've done that on a few podcasts, but mostly I do that in the membership group. So the membership site is where I work with two people. Um, it's part of the, of, of what is part of the, as part, as being a member, I work with two members a month. It's just included in that. And I record it. And then it's so helpful for people because then they hear how I, get these people and guide them back into their adult chair so then they can listen to that and anyone can can hear that that's part of the uh membership so it's a little a little challenging to go into the whole how part here but mm -hmm. it's important for people to know that it's available and accessible but but may i say something about sure. that sure as far as how to get in your adult number one these are the basic steps. There we Start go. Start getting okay. in touch with what your emotions are. What are you feeling? Because so I'm telling you, the majority of the people that I sit with or I have sat with over 25 years, they don't know. Like we don't know. And there's no blame or shame about it. It's like, okay, here's my starting point. And if you don't know what emotions, because again, just asking yourself, hey, what, what emotions am I feeling? That activates that inner child. Even if you don't see the inner child, just saying to yourself, I wonder what I'm feeling. That's something that the adult would do. That's a healthy adult action. Inquiring, self-inquiry about our emotions. So you may not know, I feel sorrow, I feel guilt, I feel shame, I feel lonely. However, you might feel tension in your stomach. You might feel a knot in your throat. You might feel shortness of breath. Start there and be in that. Sit in it. Because the physical response to these emotions does shift when you give it attention and equally when you sit in an emotion if you are able to touch that emotion let's say like i'm lonely when you give your full attention to lonely and you don't stop that emotion it also washes through us in about 90 seconds the only reason that emotions are stuck when we go well i can't get rid of my loneliness or i can't get rid of my grief the only reason that ever happens is because we're making up a story about it so for example you know, oh, my father died, I have grief. If you just feel the grief, it's, it washes through. However, what we do often is we say, oh my gosh, my father died, I feel so much grief. As the grief is moving through us, we jump into story again or assumption and we'll say, oh, my life's never gonna be the same. My, my, my children won't have a grandfather. This is so bad. I'm so sad. And then, so we keep adding to the prolonging of feeling the grief. 
But when we drop the story and assumption, the grief moves through and then we're in a new moment. So step one would be, of course, feeling your emotions and really allowing them to process through, whether they're a physical sensation or the actual emotion. That's huge for helping people get in their adult chair. What's step two? <laughs> Beginning to witness the, or what I call story busting. Mm-hmm. Because we live in story and assumption most of the time. And 97% of the stories that we make up do not ever come true. That's fantastic. That 97. is amazing. That's amazing. So okay. People have huge shifts when they say, when they learn this model, so many people come to me and they say, my life has changed. And the only thing I'm doing now is asking myself what's true or what's fact and truth. Because the ego, the adolescent part of us, wants to make up stories and assumptions to keep us safe, but it doesn't keep us safe. It actually keeps us stuck, and it keeps us in worry, and, and it, it doesn't work. And people have told me that their relationships have completely transformed simply by staying out of story and assumption. For example, uh, you know, oh, my, my husband's late. He must not care about me. You know, we go, the story is, well, he's late and he didn't call, so he must not care about me. Maybe he's having an affair. You know, we could go through all these stories or have assumptions about it versus my husband's late. I'm going to call him. So from our adult, we gather information and we live in fact and truth only. So I'm going to call my husband and say, where are you? You're running late. And then he might say something like, I'm so sorry. I got in a meeting with my boss and it was closed door meeting. I didn't have my phone on me. I'm on my way home right now. And it's like, then the whole body can relax. And that's truth. So we want to bust stories. We want to be the best story busters we can be. This is, I think, a very important point for right now with how our world is this today. So much is happening so fast. And people are just spinning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, yes. and you really don't know what's going on with someone and if you make up a story about it, you have created this huge barrier to the relationship and blocked yourself in to a negative uh, story that is not good for yourself. I mean, look at all the possibilities for communication breaking down with yes. our technology and the speed at which everything is happening and the social isolation right now. There's just so much that interferes with communication. And yes. if we don't learn how to make some space and work towards the truth instead of working towards building up a story, I think that's a huge uh, piece of advice that you're giving people right now. It's, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's huge because people are thinking that what they're reading on Facebook, let's say, is fact and truth. I'm like, wait a minute. When you dig into that a little bit further, is it still fact and truth? Oh, well, I found out that it wasn't the more I dug into it. But people are living so much in fear. There's so much fear in the environment, in the atmosphere right now. So it's causing us to go into story and assumption more than ever. So when we reach for fact and truth, it really does relax the nervous system and it relaxes who we are. You know, from the stats I told you I'm not even watching the news anymore because I was like horrified, like up and down. But, you know, I talked to this person and this is true. I talked to this person. I'm like, I don't want to know. 
but I'm going to sit with myself, like what's fact and truth right now for myself. And it's taken me out of that fear completely. And I keep recommending that to people for sure. We've got to get out of story and assumption. Excellent. Excellent. I love that uh, we're telling people about this right now. And then do you, what's the next step? Okay. So that's big though. Feeling mm-hmm. your emotions, becoming a story buster, living in fact and truth, and then learning how to observe your thoughts. We have 90,000 thoughts a day, up to 90,000 thoughts a day. What are you buying into? So we want to learn how to observe the thought and not buy into every single thing that we're hearing and seeing and witnessing that's coming across or through our mind. And then the next step to that is choose the thoughts that feel best. We forget that we have a choice. And our thoughts in our spoken word, whether it's thought or spoken word, is very, very powerful. So be very careful with what thoughts you are choosing. You don't have to just buy into every single default thought that you have. You've got to choose the thoughts that feel best and choose the thoughts that are most empowering. And then that is the creation of your reality. Like that is how we're going to then create our realities. But you've got to be conscious about what thoughts that you're choosing, if that makes sense. You know, everything, all these steps, everything that you're illuminating for us today fall under the same steps that the spiritual path has. Mm, yeah it's it's those are the teachings on the spiritual path on the spiritual path yeah Um, and in order to become a mature spiritual practitioner if you expect to sit down on a pillow and meditate and all of a sudden (laughs) go into silence and samadhi but instead what comes up are all your childhood feelings and your adolescent anger and you don't know how to process it and be with it, you're going to be jumping off that pillow and saying, oh, that meditation stuff is no good. Right. <laughs> so true. So true. You so, know. so true. Yeah, for sure. And so every person who wants to explore not only their emotions and their thoughts and their healthy well-being, and they want to delve deeper into the more subtle aspects of their spiritual heart and and soul in order to get there you have to be an adult you have to be able to manage these stories and these feelings because every time you sit every time you want to go into the silence they're going to be there yes it's like they're just part of the noise of our being and we get more familiar with them. We know how to make friends with them. We know how to help them release out of the tension of our body or through streaming energy and light through our body. But every time we sit, there's going to be some of those child, early childhood feelings, some of those adolescent irritations. And we just need to know that we can work with them. So true. Well, I think people have, I mean, so just a few other tools to stay in your adult. Mm -hmm. And I want to start out with there's meditation, gratitude and grounding, which of course, that's your, that's your thing. (laughs) I always, I refer people to the podcast I've done with you on the grounding all the time. But with meditation, I find people have it all wrong because meditation, people will say, well, I can't stop my thoughts. I'm like, you're not supposed to, you're Mm -hmm. supposed to witness thought. 
So when we practice, they call it a meditation practice for a reason. It takes practice. You, there's no master meditators. We're always in practice of witnessing thought. But when we do it in meditation, then in the real world, it makes it a lot easier because we're it, we've we've been practicing it. It's like lifting weights at the gym, and then you go out in the real world after you leave the the gym, and you are more stronger because you've been practicing lifting weights. We've got to learn how to practice this. And that's why a meditation practice is key, as well as gratitude, as well as, of course, staying grounded. So many people, as you well know, are not grounded. And we're not staying here in order to live in the adult, the healthy adult. You've got to be here to do that. You got to be present to do that. So those are the last three. Wonderful. So Michelle, as we come to a close here, I'd love people to hear about your programs and the offerings you have for them. Yeah. Um, I just want to start out with that we have a, um, I created, because the adult, the inner child is so precious to me because it was such a transformational process for myself. I created a free online resource for the in, doing inner child work. It comes with two guided meditations to help you to connect with your child as well as it gives you um, some journaling prompts to help you to connect with your child. So that's at theadultchair.com forward slash inner child. The other thing that we do is I've created a membership to help people go on a deeper dive into the self and how to heal and transform all these inner aspects of who they are. So we've worked a, a whole month on things like self-worth, self-love. This month or in July we're doing it's all about emotions and how do you feel your emotions? We spend a whole month on it. We take a deep, deep, deep dive into how we do that. Um, in August, we're doing all about self-acceptance. How do you do that when you don't want to accept yourself? So I want to offer all of your listeners a free month into the membership just to come check it out. Um, it's such a beautiful, I, I really, again, I created it so people learn the how is what it's all about. So you get a live teaching a meditation, weekly discovery work, you get a live Q&A, um, and then you get to watch me work with two people every single month. And that's at theadultchair.com forward slash membership. And then the promo code to get the free month is healthyadult30. Oh, that's so um, generous of you. Thank you. Yeah. I just want people to try it because it's, it's people love, people absolutely love it. And I created it to help us because I wish I had this, this resource, you know, when I was going through all this. The last thing, which is full, is um, we're doing it because I have so many, re I, have, I have requests from all around the world every single week that ask me, you know, is there an adult chair coach or therapist in my area? So right now there's just me. <laughs> so I actually have felt very led for the last three years because we've been getting these questions for years. Um, I've created, and it launches in September, an adult chair coaching certification. So people, no matter what your background is, can come and get certified as an adult chair coach and they learn this model and then they can do, you know, Zoom calls internationally or whatever it is that they want to do, hang a shingle and actually become adult chair coaches. So our next, our next training um, will be in June of 2021, but we're going to do it once, once a year, every single year. Let and me ask, last, oh, yeah, sorry. I just wanted go to ahead. ask you a question about the coach training. Uh -huh. In the coach training, does that include helping the people become adults? 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can't see clients. And I, I, I'm working with the coaches now. I'm prepping them for when we start in September. I've said to all of them, you cannot get, tri I mean, we do get triggered when, of course, when we're with clients, but I want that to be minimally happening. So it's about doing your own personal work for sure. Okay. For sure. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sure. I just wanted to make that point because some people sign up for a coaching program just to get the certification and just to be able to move on. But I can't even no. imagine someone doing this work without being in their adult most of the time. You have to be in your adult. Like, and I've said that to people, you know, because they're like, well, how many hours do we do the practicum? How many? Mm -hmm. da, da, da. And I'm like, it's going to be a lot because you've got to be clean. I keep saying to them, um, it's about having a clean slate because you will get triggered if you're with a client, you've not done your own work. It's about doing your own work. You have to do your own work for sure. So we do work with people on that throughout the process. Great to hear. Okay. And then ne the next thing you were going to say. No. And then the last thing, which you've been on, I don't know, two or three times would be the adult chair podcast. It's a great resource. Um, to, it's free, 100% mm -hmm. free, of course. Just the Adult Chair Podcast is all about um, really just, I give people very simple tools on how to transform their lives. And it's simple psychology mixed with grounded spirituality. That's what every single podcast is all about that. So that's it. They're amazing podcasts. I encourage everyone to listen to them and to go to Michelle's site. And what you heard today is what you see is what you get with Michelle. You really heard the person that I've known for several years who has consistently been a bright light in our world. So thank you so much, Michelle, for taking the time to be with us today. And I appreciate your work so deeply. I feel exactly the same way about you. And I'm so happy for you and the podcast. Congratulations on the podcast because the world needs to hear from you as well. So I'm thrilled for you. Oh, thank you for having me on today. Thank you. So everyone check out the podcast notes and you'll also see a link for Michelle's work on my website too. So spiritualonline.com. So everyone have a beautiful day and God bless. And thank you, Michelle. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to the Earth Love Spirit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.